Great to be with you all. I invite you, if you're not still there, to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, and as you're turning, allow me to uh, state uh, once again, it is an honor and a privilege to be with you for these spiritual emphasis days. Have you ever wondered why is it that a institution of higher education, uh, a Bible college, would make a decision to have... It used to be Spiritual Emphasis Week, but now Spiritual Emphasis Days. Why in the world would such a decision be made? And uh, there's much uh, method to the madness, and there's a sincere desire on the part of the administration, the faculty, and staff for you to press pause a little bit and to evaluate the true condition of your heart, Uh, to take a moment to just breathe and ask and answer, what kind of condition am I in spiritually? Uh, This morning we established uh, the reality of the fact that our God knows, he sees, and he examines our heart's attitudes before him. I remember spiritual emphasis days when I was a student here. 87 to 91, you'll have to imagine, but 87 to 91, and I remember a speaker uh, in particular who spoke on the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and he entitled it the, The Hall of Faith. And I remember him saying over and over again, over and over again, the theme for those spiritual emphasis days for us. He conveyed to us and reminded us that God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. God can and wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And that theme captured my mind and heart, changed the way I thought about the Christian life, and it was right in the midst of being a student at Emmaus during Spiritual Emphasis Days. So it's our heart, it's our prayer that during these five sessions together, these days where your schedule's a little different and you're pressing pause a little bit, that you might ask and answer this question. Truly and honestly, what is the condition of my heart? We saw from the Old Testament and we saw from the New Testament this morning. If you remember, if you weren't here, uh, here it is. In summary, if you were here, here's a reminder. Three heart conditions from the Old Testament. Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. 40, 40, 40, 120 years. years. Remember that? Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. We're asking, and I'm going to ask it over and over again, what is the condition of your heart? Of those three descriptions, which is the best fit? I said sincerely, but uh, I trust clearly that some of you are here uh, this evening, and perhaps we're here this morning, and you don't know Christ. You've never trusted in him as your Savior, and your heart condition is much like Saul's, no heart. Uh, some of you have trusted in, in Christ, and as you've sung this, uh, this evening together, that you want to you follow him sincerely, wholeheartedly, with all that you are and all that you have. And some of you are Solomon-like, half-hearted, and just going through the motions and just playing games. We saw in the New Testament three descriptions of, uh, as well, considerations of heart condition spiritually. Paul talked about the natural man. The natural man, which equates to Saul, no heart, is unable to discern spiritual things, their foolishness to them. 
He talked about the spiritual man, equating that to David, wholehearted, the spiritual person who sincerely and truly and genuinely is pursuing the things of God, growing in his goodness and grace. But then he talked about this person, a still carnal, a yet carnal, a still fleshly, a yet fleshly individual, a believer, a believer who doesn't look like one, doesn't act like one, isn't living like one, equating to Solomon being half-hearted. It's our sincere prayer and desire that you would pause and evaluate the reality of your heart's condition. God knows and he sees and he does so. We'd ask you to do so as well. Would you pray with me as we consider such things together tonight? Father, we ask for your help. We pray, Father, that you indeed would take away distractions and that you would teach us whatever it is you would have for us to learn. Father, may we be willing to pause and consider the reality of our spiritual heart condition. What are we really like spiritually? May we think of the illustrations we've considered, the heart conditions, no heart, whole heart, half heart, the natural man, the spiritual man, the yet carnal, still carnal man. Which of these descriptions, illustrations, best fit and describe our heart's condition tonight. So we pray that you would take away distractions, teach us whatever you want us to learn. We pray that the Holy Spirit would do his job in our minds and hearts, that your truth would be illuminated, that it would make plain and clear and simple sense. We pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us as we need to be convicted and encourage us as we need to be encouraged. Help us, Father, as we saw this morning, the need to choose wisely, to have as our aim, as our ambition, to be pleasing to you in all respects, to make a decision to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for the one who died for us and, and rose again. May we be reminded, as we have seen and as these students will see all year, that in order to walk, in order to live, in order to keep, wise decisions have to be made. And so we pray that you'd help us to choose wisely. Help us, Father, we ask and pray tonight to face the music. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have heard that expression, face the music? Face the music. I love to know the story behind phrases, and I'd love to read you the story behind that particular expression. Many years ago, Many years ago, a man wanted to play in the Imperial Orchestra. Think about this for a moment. Many years ago, a man wanted to play in the Imperial Orchestra, but he couldn't play a note. That's a problem. Since he was a person of great wealth and influence, however, he demanded to be allowed to join the orchestra so that he could perform in front of the king. Are you listening? The conductor agreed to let... Uh, to let him sit in the second row of the orchestra. Even though he couldn't read music, he was given a flute, and when a concert would begin, can you imagine, he would raise his flute, pucker his lips, and move his fingers. He went through all the motions of playing, but he never made a sound. This deception went on for two years. Then one day, a new conductor took over the Imperial Orchestra. He told the orchestra that he wanted to personally audition all the players to see how well they could play. 
The audition would weed out all those who weren't able to meet his standards, and he would dismiss them from the orchestra. One by one, the players performed in his presence. Frantic with worry, when it was his turn, the phony flautist pretended to be sick. The doctor who examined him, however, declared that he was perfectly well. The conductor insisted that the man appear and demonstrate his skill. Shamefacedly, the man had to confess that he was a fake. That was the day he had to face the music. Spiritual emphasis days, Monday night. Perhaps this is the time for you to do so, to face the music and to ask and answer honestly before God, what is the true condition of my heart? There's a favorite chapter before us, chapter 14 of Joshua, and some have entitled this Caleb's chapter. It's a chapter where Caleb speaks up and he reminisces with his friend Joshua And they think about the days gone by, and Caleb says, I want what God promised to me. I want you to put yourself in the sandals of these two, specifically of Caleb, and listen in on they uh, discuss these realities together. Verse 6 says this, then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the the Kenzanite, said to him, so who's speaking here? Caleb. And he speaks up and he, and he says these words, you know, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Imagine it, picture it. Here's Caleb talking to Joshua and he says, let's remember together. You remember what Moses told us? You remember when we were to go into the land for 40 days, there were 12 of us. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. The truth is, ten were bad and and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and, and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong, and some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Some of you are like, what in the world is he doing and saying? The truth is, I grew up singing that as a chorus with motions. I noticed some of you did as well. Imagine this. Here's 12 of you, and you're going in to spy out the land. And Caleb speaks up, and he says to Joshua, I want to remember with you. It's been a minute. And so may I remind you of what happened to the two of us. Verse 7 says this. Again, Caleb speaking. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. They're reminiscing, folks. Caleb says, I was 40 when that happened. And I was with you, Joshua. And we went in to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Now, the reality is this. It would be a great exercise for you. You may not do it, but I'd encourage you to do it nevertheless, to go back and read the rest of the story. 
the story that occurs in Numbers 12 and 13 and 14, and get the details of this uh, 40-day exploration where they went in to spy out the land. End of verse 7, it says this, I, Caleb speaking, I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. In Numbers, it says of Caleb that he had a very different kind of heart, different than the rest of folks. Any of you happen to be named Caleb? Any Caleb's in the house? A few Caleb's. Thanks for coming tonight. I have a nephew named Caleb, Caleb Jonathan. Do you all know what your name means, the name Caleb? One of the renderings of the name Caleb is this, dog. Seriously. And why is that the case? Listen to me now. We have a dog. Um, I mentioned I grew up in Chicago. I don't think I mentioned this. My wife grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Chicago, what's up? Go Pack Go. Chicago, Illinois, Green Bay, Wisconsin, married together, holy matrimony. And so we, uh, as in every marriage, there's give and take, right? Our dog's name, listen to me now, our dog's name, he's a Labradoodle, our dog's name is Wrigley Lambo. Wrigley Lambo. The Cubs, go Cubs go. The Packers, go Pack go, right? Very creative cheers from those uh, metropolitan areas, right? Here, you need to know this. You need to know this. Wrigley is part of our family. I have two children, Anna Catherine, 17 years of age, a junior in high school. She's beautiful inside and out, I promise you this. I have a son named Jonathan David, soon to be 15, a freshman in high school. Uh, He loves to get after it in every way. Uh, A man after God's own heart, I hope and pray. Two children, but Wrigley is the, the fifth member. We're one of those families that treat our dogs, our dog, actually there's two, my mother-in-law just moved in with hers. But we treat them as part of the family and there's a reason, there's an attribute of a dog that we love. There's this loyalty, this loyal love that most dogs, rarely cats, evidence and display, right? One of the reasons that Caleb's name means dog is because of that loyalty. Paul refers to the Judaizers and Philippians as, uh, as dogs, as evil workers. That's a negative thing, by the way. But the word Caleb conveys a positive understanding of the, the concept of a dog. You know what else the word Caleb means? You're listening now, I know it, and I appreciate it. The name Caleb means this. Watch this, don't miss it. It means all hearts. All hearts. Whole hearts, full hearts. And I love it when this happens in the word of God, when we see someone's name demonstrated in the story of his life. And that happens to be the case uh, for our character tonight, Caleb. So we're at the end of verse seven, and he says, I brought back to him as it was in my what? In my heart. We're gonna see that emphasis again. Here's what happened. I don't know if you know the story all that well. Go back to it in Numbers. It's a great story. The other 10 folks, Joshua and Caleb, 10 were bad, two were good. Nevertheless, he says, you're following in verse 8. He says, my brethren who went up with me, the other 10, 
made the heart of the people melt with fear. Listen to me now and watch what we can observe there. This is crucial for you to get. Ten folks, ten folks had the power of influence. The word influence drives me a little bananas these days, to be honest with you. But nevertheless, we have to face the reality of the word and what it means. You need to know this. You are an influencer, whether you get free stuff or not. You're an influencer and you are being influenced. And don't kid yourself. We've been asking and we'll ask again, what is the condition of your heart? And someone who is going to be wholehearted has at the core of their heart, their aim, their ambition to be pleasing to him in all respects and all that we hear and all that we see and all that we say and all that we do and all that we think about to be pleasing to him. It's one of the choices we have to make as believers to no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us and rose again. So I'm asking you this question. How are you being influenced? By what or by whom are you being influenced? Are you being influenced for good? Are you being influenced for evil? Are you influencing in a healthy way, in a helpful way, or in a harmful way? It's important for you during these spiritual days, spiritual emphasis days, to think about the word influence. You're being influenced and you are an influencer. How's that going for you? Here we have 10 folks who thought this way, who had this mindset and this perspective. It was their gaze and their understanding that the giants were too big and strong in the land and that the cities were too incredibly fortified and there was absolutely no way. They were afraid. And these 10 folks came in and declared, we cannot... It's too difficult. It's too hard. There's no way. And their perspective and their influence changed the hearts of the people. Do you see the power of influence? How are you being influenced? And by what are you being influenced? And what kind of influencer are you? You're with me in verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren, 10 of them who went up with me. Who's talking right now? Caleb. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. Are you kidding me? What an unhelpful and unhealthy influence. 10 folks who changed the heart of the people. Let me just say this to you clearly at 7.39 tonight on Monday night. Let me say to you clearly, we are desperate for folks to stand up and be willing to be part of the minority who are unashamedly willing to follow after God. Joshua and Caleb, they were not afraid. 
They had a big view of God and they took God at his word and they knew that, yes, we can with our great God. Caleb speaks in verse eight and says, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but that's not how I rolled. Caleb says this of himself, and I've got to ask you, what would you say of yourself tonight? If you had to make a declaration tonight and say, here is the reality of my heart condition, what would you say of yourself? Caleb makes the declaration of himself, and he's not being proud or braggadocious. He says this, but I followed the Lord my God. How did he follow him? Fully. Some of your translations say completely. Some of your translations say wholeheartedly. Some of you are not looking at the word of God, which confuses me. Caleb makes a declaration, and he says, you know what? Here's how I, here's what I would say about me. And I'd say it about you too, Joshua, but I'm making the declaration here. This is my chapter and I'm speaking up and this is what I have to say. I followed when the majority wasn't. I followed the Lord my God fully. What do you have to say for yourself? No hearts, whole hearts, half hearts. Natural spiritual, still carnal. What, what is the condition of your heart tonight? God knows and he sees and he examines your heart attitude before him. So may I suggest to you, it's a, it's a good time to face the music. It's a good time to face the music, to come clean and say, here's the reality of my heart. And some things need to change. Verse 7, excuse me, verse 9. Moses is referenced here. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance to you. Wherever, Caleb, you have walked, shablam, that will belong to you and to your children forever. And here's the reason why. Listen to me. Moses says this of Caleb. Moses speaks up and declares to Caleb the the words at the end of verse 9, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. When you take hermeneutics and when you learn Bible study methods, you always are encouraged to notice phrases or words that repeat. Three times in this section, we're going to see the same kind of language. And again, your translation might be different. Uh, Hopefully, it's a good translation that says something like fully or completely, or wholeheartedly, and catch it, don't miss it, just like Caleb's name meant or means, if you will. Caleb said of himself, I followed the Lord my God fully. Moses said of Caleb, Caleb, you followed the Lord my God fully. Verse 10. Caleb continues to uh, reminisce and reflect a little bit, and he says, you know what? Decades have passed. Look at verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has let me live. And I want you to pause there just for a moment. I'm going to read it to you again. And I want you to think about the phrase. In in the quietness of your mind and heart, what does this phrase convey? It's an important one. 
And now behold, listen to these words, the Lord has let me live. The Lord has let me live. That's a huge concept that we need to own and embrace today, and it is this. There is only one who gives life, and there's only one who takes life, and it's our great God. He's the maker, he's the creator, he's the sustainer of life. And Caleb lets us in on his worldview a little bit here. What is yours, by the way? Caleb lets us in on his worldview, and he says, you know what? Here's who God is. Here's what he's done for me. He, in his kindness, and in his his sovereign, tender mercy and grace, he has allowed me. He has let me. He is the one who holds the strings and controls it all. He has let me live just as he spoke. There's another peek into the worldview of Caleb. Not only does, it, uh, does Caleb acknowledge who is the maker and giver and sustainer of life, he has let me live. He also acknowledges that God is accurate and faithful and true to his word. Do you believe it? I'm serious. Do you believe it? You know what Titus says about our God? He does not lie. I love that. I love the omnis of our God the omniscience that he's all-knowing, the omnipotence that he's all-powerful, the omnipresence that he's everywhere present simultaneously. That is who our God is, and we need to view God correctly. You know what what Caleb is showing us? He's showing us his theology proper. He's showing us that we need to think right about God in order to live right. Right? God is the one who makes and takes. He's the creator and sustainer of life. And God is faithful and true. And he does what he says. There's a a concept in the Old Testament, and it's seen in the New Testament as well, and you need to hear it tonight, and it's this. And some of you don't believe it. Some of you have bought into the buffoonery of the day and age in which we live. And you might not be willing to admit that, but it's more than obvious, there's a principle in the old and new, and it's this, that if we, it's this, I say to my kids all the time, doing life God's way is the best way, so obey. Doing life God's way is the best way, so obey, not only out of duty, although that makes sense, fear and holy reverence, but also out of delight, because you know, he's the one who creates it, makes it, designs it, gives us the pattern for how we're to do life on the planet. So doing life God's way is the best way. So obey. And Caleb knew that. And Caleb knew that God is a God of promise. And so if I do what God has told me to do, I'm going to have blessing, not in a prosperity theology kind of way like the culture of our day, but that he will bless me abundantly now and we have glory to come. Some of you have bought into the lie of the land which says live for the moment and live for yourself. Caleb demonstrates just the opposite. And now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. Can you believe that? Let me just pause for a moment and say this. Wake up and look around. Not necessarily tonight, although that'd be fine too. 
This is what I want you to do and want to encourage you to do. I want us to do it. Notice legendary folks. Notice folks who have demonstrated routine faithfulness for, listen to me now, decades. Decades. How long have you been following after God with all your heart? Notice, observe, pay attention to those who have been following faithfully for decades. There's a verse in Hebrews 13, 7. I shared this verse at my father-in-law's funeral. I shared this verse at my mother's funeral. I shared this verse at my father's funeral. It says this, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you who spoke the word of God to you. This is extra, this is free, you ought to write it down. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. I know it's Monday night, and maybe you're not as rested as you need to be. Choose wisely, sleep more. But I'm gonna give you three words that remind you of this verse. Remember, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Second word, Consider, consider means to think long and hard about who they are and what they did. Consider and considering the result of their conduct. Then the third word is this, imitate. Three words, Hebrews 13, seven. Remember, consider, imitate. Here we have Caleb saying, guess what I've done? Hmm? 45 years. I've been reminiscing and it all took place when I was 40 and the Lord has let me live just as he said he would these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, I am 85 years old today. Whenever I read that, I wanna say happy birthday, Caleb. Behold, thank you, behold, I am 85 years old today. I'm not great at math, but I can do this math, and it's already done for us. He was 40, 45 years. The Lord has let me live. Behold, 85 today. Happy birthday, Caleb. Listen, be inspired, would you? Be inspired by those who have gone before you and are living it out in a routine way. Faithfulness. Caleb brought it for four and a half decades. And let me just tell you, sports fans, he's not done yet. Notice what it says. Notice what it says. I cannot say this. I wish I could say this. My son, if he were here, he would, he would agree wholeheartedly. I cannot say this. But Caleb did, and he was telling the truth. He says this. At 85, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. 45 years, folks, and he says, guess what? I still can bring it. I'm 85, and I'm still today as strong as I was back in the day. I'm still as strong today. 11, you're following. Thanks for that. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. For what? For war. 
and for going out and for coming in. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I know it's still not going to be easy, but I have a big God, so let's go, Caleb says. I'm going to ask you this tomorrow, but I'm going to start asking you tonight. What in the world is it going to take for you to surrender all and stop living for yourself? To have as your aim and as your ambition to be pleasing to him in everything. In everything. To no longer live for yourself, but rather to live for the one who died for you and rose again. Listen, he loved us and gave himself for us. Doesn't it make common, simple, good sense to say, I'm all in. I love him. And I will give myself for him. One of the best things that can happen to you at Emmaus Bible College is this, getting over yourself. 45 years. Would you please look around? Would you please get off your phones for a moment and notice people who are bringing it day in and day out following faithfully after our great God. Some of you thought I was calling you out just now. May the Spirit convict you as he leads. But let's pay attention. We have from the pages of Scripture a hero who demonstrated routine faith because he believed in who God is and what God is capable of doing. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses. Verse 11. As I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going out, and for coming in. Now he makes a declaration, and he has every right to, and he says this in verse 12. Remember, he's talking to Joshua. They're reminiscing, and he says, guess what? I want what was promised to me. Makes sense, right? I've been doing this for 45, and I want the land. I want my hill. I want my mountain. I want what the Lord my God has promised to me. That's good theology, sports fans. We can take God at his word and hold on to and cling to and wear out what he has promised to us. Some of you don't get that yet. And part of the reason is because you haven't been through much yet. But let me just tell you, when you go through the hurt box, when you go through difficulty, when you go through suffering, I know some of you had, I'm not mocking or making fun. But when you go through it and you realize all we have, we sang it, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. We are desperate, folks, desperate for divine help and divine enabling. And when I was a student here, I hadn't bought into that truth yet. I thought I could bring it in and of myself and on my own. And the Lord has graciously and gently brought the reminder that, no, I can't. I'm desperate for his help. Notice what Caleb shares with us. Let's us in on, again, as he gives us his worldview. What's yours? Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim, and these are the big giants, folks, come on, Anakim were were there with great fortified cities. But then he lets us in on this little glimmer and, and mindset. He says, 
perhaps the Lord will be with me. That's not a perhaps like maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's an acknowledgement of who God is. And he's thinking right in order to live right. I can't do this, but guess what? The Lord, the Lord is with me. Jeremiah refers to the Lord as a dread champion. Don't you want to be on the team of the dread champion? I mean, seriously. And Caleb acknowledges, again, how he was thinking. I've said this uh, uh, several times. I'm going to say it again. Our minds are simple and we need repetition. We have to think right in order to live right. And some of your worldviews are not based upon this text. Caleb said, perhaps, mm, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as what? As the Lord has spoken. We can take him at his word. He's a God of purpose. He's a God of plan and he's a God of promise. So what happens? 13. So Joshua said, okay. They were already starting to divide up the land. You can read that in the previous verses, one through five. Uh, chapter 13 a little bit as well. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Tell me why. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, until this day. Why is that? What is said of Caleb, all heart, whole heart, Dog-like, loyal love, what is said of Caleb to this day? Because he followed the Lord, his, the Lord God of Israel fully. I'm asking you tonight, what would you say? Or what would be said of you in regards to how right now you are demonstrating that you are following after God? How would you describe your heart and the way that you're following after God? What word, I'm asking you, what word or words would accurately describe the way that you're following after God? As people are watching you, listen, as people watch you, and don't think you're fooling, folks. People can see. And as people are watching you, what words would they use to describe the way that you are following after God? What would they say? And most importantly, what would God say? He knows. He sees and he examines your heart's attitude before him. What is the condition of your heart? Saul, no heart. Some of you are on that page. I encourage you tonight to face the music. To realize you've never trusted in Christ as your personal savior. And you need to do so today. I can remember a couple of students of mine, uh, students who went to school with me, classmates, if you will, who trusted in Christ while they were students here. Maybe that's you, no heart. So maybe tonight's the night where you have to trust in him, where you should trust in him, where you will trust in him. David, whole hearts. Caleb, whole hearts all hearts, fully, completely following after God. Solomon half hearts, yet carnal, still carnal, 
face the music tonight. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going into Momo Nation time, and I want you to try to do this seriously. Some of you might think no, and I'm saying yes. I just encourage you to participate enthusiastically. And in order to do so, we ask you to, without saying boo, please stand up. Please stand up. Now, you need to know this. You need to know this, that we started, we started with a very simple and easy motion. It goes like this. Do you remember? The first one is this. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. That's the first one. This one has like three parts to it. I know it's Monday night, and I know you can do it, so just bear with me. Some of you have seen where someone, without looking, takes a a writing utensil or device and makes on a whiteboard a perfect circle. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen that. You don't have to do that, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the concept of a perfect circle and do it this way. And as you do it, you say W-H-O-L-E, hard it, okay? So we do this complete circle, perfect as we can get. We're fallen. We're not perfect until glory. Okay, here we go. Ready? Whole. Bring your hands together like this. Just wait for it, okay? The first part is whole. Now, I want you to think. I don't, you don't need to talk. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about being a mime. Do you, do you know what a mime is? They, they don't speak. They have makeup on and they can do all these things in a box, whatever. Sometimes a mime will, will take their hand. Excellent. You are very, you're very good. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to come up with me? I'm just kidding. Imagine you have in your hands a heart. Sometimes they do that and they, they imagine it's, it's pumping in their hands. And I have confirmation by, uh, by my cardiologist and another cardiologist that each heartbeat has Two, dun-dun. So a heartbeat has dun-dun, two of them, right? And so we're going to do that thrice times, and so we'll do dun-dun six times. Okay, so it's, the first part is this, right? Whole. But this is what I want you to do, and I'm, I promise we're almost done. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to say with sincerity the word heart it. Because we're thinking about what's the condition of our heart. So it's whole-hearted, and then do this with me. Dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. And you might think, man, I'm glad to be done with that one. (laughs) We're not. Here's the last part. I heard some of you say it earlier. It is the buzz phrase on the athletic field in any circumstance of life. Here's what people say. So we're going to do this first part. I forget it. Oh, yeah, it's this. Whole-hearted, dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. And then take your hands to your face, cup them like this, and say, let's go! Let's go! That's it. Wait, wait. Now we put them both together. Okay, everybody ready? Three. You're too excited, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Everybody breathe deep. Here we go. Three, two, what was the first one? Oh, yeah, thank you. Three, two, one. Choose wisely. Wholehearted. Dun, 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 dun. Let's go. Stay standing. Pray with me, and then we'll conclude in song. Father, help us. 
Help us tonight to face the music. There's a lot of pretending. There's a lot of faking. There's a lot of worldliness in mind and in deed. And so, Father, we pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would just bring conviction and encouragement. May we think about our theme for spiritual emphasis days. What is the condition of my heart? Father, may it be said sincerely that we want to, long to, desire to follow you wholeheartedly. Father, for those who are no-hearted, we pray that conviction might occur, that they might recognize that Christ died so they can live. They might trust in him. For those who are half-hearted, still yet carnal, believers, Father, we pray that they might be convicted of their sin. Father, for those who are purposing to demonstrate routine faithfulness and just follow you faithfully by obeying, by choosing wisely, may they be heartened and encouraged tonight. But we do pray it would be a night and days during the spiritual emphasis days where, where we face the music. So work mightily, we pray. May we get over ourselves and get out of the way. And may we believe in who you are and what you have said. May we realize that doing life your way is the best way. So help us to obey. Help us to be all hearted, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.